Good morning, everybody. It is another beautiful day in South Florida. And today is, there's a lot of national things happening today. I'll tell you, I'm very, very excited. And as a foodie, I'm excited that it is National Chili Day. <laughs> Natasha is here with me, Natasha Timberlake. Hello, everyone. She's telling me that she actually made chili last night. <laughs> you didn't get the memo, did you? That it, today was, we leftover chili tonight? Yes, oh. sounds like a plan. Can the GI track handle chili two nights in a I don't know. I don't have know. To say but that. But the kids for, love it, so there we go. <laughs> right? Um, National Toast Day. Toast is good. Mm -hmm. National Banana Bread Day. That's really good. Does anybody have those bananas sitting? Am I, am I the only one that goes and buys a big bushel of bananas and then has a, that moment of, I better do so? Yeah, right. Exactly. But the one thing today that we're so very excited about, it, it is National Dog Biscuit Day. Yay. Toby Hall, tell all your dog friends it's National Dog Biscuit Day. He looks so impressed. Are you impressed? No, he's, he's definitely not impressed. <laughs> okay. So, Natasha, thank you so much for coming on the show today to talk about neoplasm. Yes, I'm um, excited. Oh, I'm excited too. I know that that's an area that I, you know, we were talking before It's an area mm -hmm. that as a risk adjustment coder, um, I see a lot of errors. I yes. see a lot of, and, and honest errors, right? Because there's so many rules. Yes, there are a lot so of rules. How do we know all those rules? It's a, uh, it's kind of challenging. So we're talking about um, the guidelines, mm -hmm. section one, subsection C, like Charlie for the chapters. We're entering into chapter two. Um, and that is going to be our neoplasm. It's, it also kind of goes a little bit on chapter three, yes. the bloodborns, except there's no guidelines for the bloodborns. Yeah. So um, I'm glad that we got a little bit of that in this chapter. Mm -hmm. But there is small guidelines with certain diagnosis codes in chapter three. That's right. That's right. Within the, the tabular section there. Yeah. So first thing, I always want to kind of clear the air when we talk about neoplasms, you know, mm -hmm. neoplasm is just an abnormal cell growth. Yes. So uh, is it cancer? Could be. Is it not cancer? Right? Yeah. That's what we're going for. Yes. So to go through some of those harsh definitions there, the primary neoplasm, that is where the cancer cells originate from. And those are cells that they can spread. Not all of them choose to. Not everyone is that overzealous and says, hey, I'm going to spread. You know, some of them don't. But um, the primary neoplasm is that originating cell. So fun fact, um, I know someone, she's doing great, by the way, but I know someone who had a mammogram and it came back positive. Oh, and they no. did a biopsy and they found cancerous cells. Um, sent her off to one of the big hospitals. Okay. When they analyzed those cells, Natasha, they were actually lung cancer cells. Oh, and so, so metastasized into breast right, cancer. Right, to the breast. Yes. So the primary neoplasm was lung cancer. And you don't see that very often going from lung to breast. Usually it's breast to somewhere else or lung to somewhere else, but I haven't really seen that too often that it goes yeah. from lung to breast. But that's where we we identified that the breast was that secondary neoplasm. 
So like, so you want to pop that secondary definition up mm -hmm. there? Yeah, it's, it's where the primary neoplasm is spread to. It's metastasized to. And the other kind of cancer is the in situ cancer. That one, I, or in situ, yeah. I'm never going to pronounce it properly. It just depends on the group that you're with, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and, and basically, those are where you've got premalignant, malignant cells that they stay where they are. They don't yeah. spread. They're in the tumor. So if we can take the tumor out, wonderful, right? Yes. So a um, couple of other definitions. Um, <laughs> this one really is a fun one. <laughs> the uncertain versus the unspecified. Now, I don't know about you, Natasha, but lately, because of the new ENM guidelines, I see providers getting confused with an, an undiagnosed condition with uncertain prognosis versus uncertain neoplasms. Yeah, so, I see that too. Especially with skin cancers, I usually see when they're doing like the most surgery or the biopsy, it's like uncertain behavior of the skin because they're unsure if it's benign or neoplastic. So they know it's from the skin, but they're unsure. But unspecified is like, I usually see that from like the lateralities, like unspecified, you know, which breast it came from or unspecified, which lung, usually with the lateralities, I usually see for the unspecified. So you got to be really careful of how it's documented because they're completely different. Most definitely. And, and I think that, you know, uncertain really hits it on the head. We mm -hmm. don't know. Yeah. And I mean, excuse me, unspecified. Oh, see yeah. how easy <laughs> it is to confuse yeah. those words. So, so uh, unspecified, Again, there's, there's, we don't know. Yeah. We're uncertain. Um, that's always been described to me that a pathologist has looked yes. at it and that the pathologist is uncertain of the morphology. Mm -hmm. Maybe teetering on premalignant, malignant, right? Or maybe teetering on benign, premalignant there where they're not quite sure of that morphology yet. Yes. So just truly understanding. Yes. Betty Hovey. Can you put Betty's um, uh, post up there? There we go. Betty's reminding us that uncertain diagnosis is from a pathological determination. Yes. I agree, Betty. Right. So I can't make that decision that it's uncertain. Mm -hmm. And if the provider hasn't sent it off to pathology yet, they really aren't uncertain either it's more unspecified because yes. we haven't looked at that yet. So, all right. So we're good with primary, secondary, inside to uncertain, unspecified. <laughs> and of course, you know, benign is the, the, always the desired outcome for any mm -hmm. neoplasms. It just looks ugly and it's not going to hurt me. Right? Yes. We still want to treat it and still want to watch it because you don't want it to go into being malignant. You kind of want it to be cancer free is the ultimate goal. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I get a lot of questions about um, when someone is, is being seen today mm -hmm. and maybe they're being seen for their chemo or their radiation. How do we code that diagnosis correctly? What well, is the reason to, for the visit? 
You, exactly. It's the reason for the visit. So if they're coming in for chemotherapy and it's usually like a cancer code or there's also certain codes um, in the chapter three that may have that as well or maybe turning to cancer, it's a Z5111. So that's basically telling the um, insurance company, telling provider that the patient is coming in for neoplastic chemotherapy. So that would be code first also per the guidelines. Um, also, if it's like mononuclear antibody, that'd be Z5112. That's also similar to chemotherapy. And then radiation, if they're coming in for radiation therapy, usually that's like radiation oncology, that's C5100. That means they're coming in for treatment, not just having a history of. So you wanna make sure that they're actually coming in for that treatment, not that they've already had the history of the chemo or history of radiation. So that should be primary because that's telling them exactly they are you know, coming in for this medication or for this infusion or procedure. And this is the reason why it's primary. And then after that, it would be, which cancers being um, treated for? Because sometimes you'll have um, cancers that are secondary that are being treated for as primary. So that way you want to make sure the second code should be what's treated. For instance, if you have malignant breast cancer and bone cancer metastasized, the patients coming in for the chemo or for radiation for bone cancer, that'd be secondary. And then the primary would be uh, third, like the breast cancer. So even mm -hmm. though it's primary and secondary, there's still a specific order depending on the treatment. So it may be getting a little ahead, but that's usually how we, we no, no, it. no. That's exactly where I was going with this. Okay. Now I also heard from, a, 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 you know, different offices and over the years you, 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 you hear things, right? <laughs> um, I hear the rumor that you can't code a Z code first because it doesn't get paid. Certain Z codes you can code first, and this one you have to code first. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yes. So that's why I wanted to remind people that not all Z codes are bad. It's yes. the reason that they're coming in. And I think that payers expect to see that, mm -hmm. you know, in conjunction with the, the chemo medication that's being reported or the facility claim that's being reported for the administration of the chemo. I think they are expecting to see that Z code that says that was the reason that the patient came in. Mm-hmm. Now, what about patients that come in for other reasons, again, related to the the cancer, but not the cancer? So like an anemic patient that might need to be treated or a dehydrated patient. That you would add those codes as well. Sometimes you add them as primary. Well, except for the anemia due to, um, you know, cancer, anemia due to the chemotherapy, those can't be primary because they're actually secondary codes. So you would still code the primary code and that's a secondary, but that's really good to have because it wouldn't be anemia unspecified because if the provider documented it's anemia due to neoplastic or anemia due to chemotherapy, which actually happens a lot, there's usually two codes that go with that. You have the anemia due to chemotherapy and then the reasoning of like what chemotherapy or what drug. So you would code that or even for dehydration. Sometimes you can code that as primary um, because that is able to be a primary code, especially if they're getting additional fluids that are outside of the chemotherapy, because, you know, depending on what's going on or how the patient's doing, they can be a lot of times I see them being dehydrated. I'm glad that you mentioned treatment. certain codes that can not be reported as primary codes. Yes. <laughs> so I, I recently did a, a presentation talking about different denial reasons and um, mm -hmm. that CO55 for yes. experimental or investigational came up. And I had people say, but, well, well, wait a minute. I mean, we coded exactly what the doc said. I said, yeah, but you put a primary diagnosis code that isn't allowed to be a primary diagnosis mm -hmm. code. Even though it exists, it cannot be a primary. And yes. that's what's kicking that claim back out. So you need to go back to the guidelines. Mm -hmm. I always tell people when you meet me, 
please don't start a drinking game on how often Christine says guidelines. You will lose miserably. (laughs) Dehydration is in your future, right? (laughs) So in the guidelines there, it's going to tell us that that, that there are certain sequencing that needs to mm-hmm. happen there. And it's, it's and, a manifestation of it. So you got to tell them what happened and then it manifests, manifest, manifested in this. I apologize. But if it was just, just anemia, like the patient just had anemia, that can be primary, but if any other reason why the patient had anemia, like why, like kind of like what you said before, like what's going on, why it happened, who happened. So you got to have like the, the W questions, I guess, in a sense, when you're growing up, you have all those the five W's. Yeah. The five W's and the H. H. I think yeah who what where when and how oh yeah how did that that h become a w anyway that's for the elementary educators y'all got this i'm gonna back off of that i'll learn it again when my my youngest goes in the kindergarten first grade so gorgeous by the way i I don't know if i've shared with you guys but i had the pleasure of having lunch with natasha and xena um over the christmas holidays as well as my friend sarah reagan um, and my friend Betty Pa, I mean Becky Pa, oh, yes, Becky and Caitlin, Becky and Betty, they're all my friends. <laughs> I'm very blessed. Uh, and my friend Caitlin Brock came down mm-hmm. from Indiana, and so we all got to have lunch together, and it was amazing. But Zena definitely stole the show. So yes, um, Zena, she said, "Hey, send her a I shout will. out." Yeah, she's in score now, but yeah, she's she's a man. She soaks it all. She soaks everything all in. So, and then my, my oldest likes to quiz me. I'm like, cause I told her there's a code for that. So then she tries to quiz me on the codes. I'm like, well, I only know certain codes for certain things I could tell you, but you know, there's really code just about everything. And if there's not, there may be a code for that later on. Well, back in the day, and I know there's some of you on here and I'm not going to call you out, Betty. Uh, but <laughs> back in the day, like we, because there were so few ICD nine codes, mm-hmm. we had those memorized. Like you, in the middle of the night, you would be like, Oh, that person had a, a 250.00 followed by uh, a, a 311 followed by, you know, like we could yeah. call these out. But with almost 80,000 ICD-10 codes now, yeah. there's no way. There's no way. Not, you know, we all have our few that we code on a regular basis yeah. repeatedly, but it's not like back in the day. No. Um, all right. So another thing I wanted to chat about was... <laughs> How about leukemias when we're coding those? Actually, let me back up. Let's talk about history of before we get to leukemia. So (laughs) thanks, Betty. Um, So we talk about history of, and this is one. So I I was sharing with you before we went online, Mm -hmm. the OIG has done 13 audits over the last five years of Medicare Advantage plans who have submitted their codes for validation. Now, I love risk, love it. Um, But what they found was there were a lot of cancer codes that were not supported because essentially they were history of. Mm -hmm. Do you see that a lot? Yes, or it's vice versa. Like sometimes I'll see the provider says history of, but they're still receiving chemotherapy. They're still receiving radiation or they're still receiving the medication treatment, especially with like breast cancer. And sometimes prostate cancer, they'll receive the remedication for, you know, up to five years. So you have to make sure before you do history of, has it been completely, I guess, in a sense, eradicated and modified, like, you know, that they, you know, take out the organ or remove it, you know, are they receiving any medication, radiation? And then you have to look at the medic, like sometimes, most of the time, provider will say, okay, well, they're still on a mermotose treatment or still mm-hmm. on the CIRMS treatment or still on like Lupron, like Lupron 
for mm -hmm. prostate cancer. So if they're on any of those, it's not technically a history because you're still treating them, seeing them. But so for history, I was like, you know, they had prostate cancer. It's been removed. You know, chemo has been done. Radiation's done. No more medication. We'll see you in a year. Just make sure everything's fine. Great. And that's like a history of. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, we do have that clear definition, not in this chapter of the mm -hmm. guidelines, but if we go to chapter 21 of the guidelines, yes. like there's a really awesome definition of history of there. Again, mm -hmm. like you said, Natasha, we're not treating it. We still might monitor it from time to time, but we're not treating it. Yes. And so we need to be really careful both ways. I mean, especially in a risk adjustment world where if, let me back up one more time. I get so excited sometimes <laughs> that I kind of get ahead of myself. I'm the same um, way. <laughs> but providers are taught in med school that the word history of has a different definition than it does from the payer world mm -hmm. or from the coding world. So uh, sometimes they'll mention that the patient has a history of because they received the information from the patient. They have a history of cancer. They have a history of diabetes. They have a history yeah. of hypertension. And as a coder, we're taught to interpret that history of as no longer being treated. Mm -hmm. But, you know, let's be honest, there's a lot of conditions out there, COPD, CHF, that, you know, that we haven't found a cure yet for them. Yeah, there's a lifelong. Right. And so they're not technically a history of. And, and that's where a coder may have to use the query process mm -hmm. to, to reach out to a provider and say, hey, I, I noticed that you mentioned that the cancer is history of, but... I also noticed that these medications are still listed as an active medication on their list. Can you please let me know what's the status? What is the current status of that neoplasm or that that's being treated? That looks like it's being treated, right? Um, yes. And that's exactly. very good to ask too. When in doubt, ask. And that's the thing too. I've noticed. I don't see very often is that they have like a history of, you know, cancer, and then it came back and metastasized into a different area. So it's kind of one of those things where is it really a history of now that it came back and went somewhere else? So that's like the thing that, that I don't see that very often, but sometimes I still have to look in the guidelines and when in doubt, definitely query because it's always better safe than assume what's going on. Absolutely. Now let's talk about uh, leukemia. Mm -hmm. So that one has a little bit of a different guideline to it as well. Like leukemia goes into remission. Yes. And so we're not treating the leukemia anymore, but we're still uh, coding it mm -hmm. as an active code in remission. Yes. Yes. So to there see is a that, code for that. Yep. <laughs> There's a code for that. There's a code for that. Yeah. And I think that's because with leukemia or anything in the, the C90s, those can be like the AML and CLL those are kind of treated a little bit differently because I, you know, just it's more like the, the blood organisms, organisms such, or it was like something like be MDS and, it, you know, transferred over. So they always want to make sure like if it's receiving active treatment or their remission or it's no longer, but I haven't seen too many of it's no longer, it's usually active or remission because you never know what's going to happen with it. Cause that one's kind of one of those that you can't just take out that organ or do something because it's there. Exactly. You hit it on the head. I love that <laughs> definition, Natasha. Thanks. Um, we have a couple of other 
new guidelines. One mm -hmm. is the very last guideline. So if you look yes. at the guidelines every year, uh, you'll notice that when we add new information to that section, it, it will appear in the text as bold, not mm -hmm. the headers of each section. But so this year, one of the additions to this chapter was that they are advising us that the final character for those types of neoplasms that have metastasized beyond the lymph system, yes. right? So they've gone to another organ beyond the lymph system there. So they're traveling in that lymph system, not mm -hmm. a good cancer. No. Um, we're going to report that with a final character of nine. Mm -hmm. So that way it identifies that the cancer traveled metastasized beyond that lymph system there. And yes. I, I love I don't know about you, but I love the way that the guidelines continue to provide us with that 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 guidance that we so need mm -hmm. in ICD-10 coding. Especially um, with this, because some of it can be subjective. So you really, really want to know. And it kind of gives you an idea where you need to go, what you need to do, especially if you code it all the time, because it's always ever changing or there may be a new cancer or there may be a new treatment or they may be an organ where you've never really seen a metastasize more or an organ that you didn't think could even get cancer and it did. So it's, I really like how it just, it breaks it all down and it's able to specify and give examples because you, you never know. So always refer to your guidelines, especially when in doubt, even if you memorize it, I still go back to my guidelines. I'm like, wait a minute. Like you said, with the new one, that's changed from last year. So I really got to make sure that we code it, you know, correctly. Most definitely. And there's always little new nuggets of wisdom. Mm -hmm. Um, so I know a lot of you have heard me say this over and over again. I probably say it every every two weeks when we meet. But I really feel like when we read the guidelines, we leave little breadcrumbs in our mind. Mm -hmm. I couldn't tell you what the guideline is for coding uh, anemia due to secondary neoplasm. Like I couldn't tell you what exactly it says. But when I see anemia and neoplasm, I immediately remember that there is a guideline. What yes, does it say? I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> I don't have that kind of memory. I wish I did, but but I, I know enough now with that breadcrumb that's left in my mind to go and look at that guideline before I code it. Yes, so, especially if it's not something you code normally. So me, like, you know, if I was coding cardiology or coding another service line, I would really look at my guidelines because, like I said, it leaves breadcrumbs. So I know there's a guideline like, you know, hypertension, CHF, and CKD, but I don't remember 100% because I haven't done it in so long where do I need to go? So like you said, you might know, you know, there's a guideline for it, you just might not know the specifics. So it's always really good to go back to it when in doubt. Yeah. And, and the way that we reinforce that is by reading them at least mm -hmm. once a year, force yourself, treat yourself. How about, how about we, we read the guidelines this weekend with some banana bread. Oh, that sounds good. Oh. And then technically be leaving little breadcrumbs if you don't clean up your mess. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, so, um, one more thing we we received some new codes this year to be specific on the long-term use of some of those chemotherapy drugs yes and i think that's oh. important also when we're coding those neoplasms um especially for those oncologists that are providing monitoring those chemotherapies there uh, that it's important that we report those new long-term 
use of chemotherapy drugs that we've been given. So not so generic anymore. There are really some specific codes to represent the different types of chemotherapies that a patient and would be receiving. I like that because now it's not Z79.899. Now, you know, the Pacitil, the Cisplatin, some of them I memorize, some of them I don't. Well, I, well, I have it like an area where I can go to. So I know these are the ones that are the new ones, but I like how it all breaks it down because they're actually a little bit different, even though they're all chemo. There's actually different chemos who do different things for certain neoplasms, which I think is really, really neat, which I want to start researching a little bit more. But it's not just chemo. It's chemo because of this or mononuclear because of that. So I like how the medications now it, for the long term use tell you what's going on, because that also help keeps track as well for social determinants of health and physicians. And then also seeing how much medications being used for like the patient, like, okay, well, these group of patients have this, these group of patients have that. And then you can kind of see of how the treatment's working. And so then you can go further with this one or stop that and go further to the next one. So I really like how they broke it all down. So just the big group, like you were saying that now it's all switched and changed. I, I, I think it is incredible. And it's, it was very needed, like you said, because mm -hmm. there are different chemos that do different things. Yes. And you know, also some of those chemos, we need to monitor them for toxicity, mm -hmm. which is one of those areas that affects the level of the evaluation and management. Definitely. And so being able to assign that code to support that level, right? And, and from a payer's perspective, they can easily see not just that they, not only do they have the cancer, However, we're also prescribing monitoring the long-term use of mm -hmm. the chemo with that patient. And all of those uh, together paint the medical picture. Yes. As my friend Sanal Patel. I know. I love that. Her. Like you need to like have that trademark. I really love how, how that she, is. Sanal. She's amazing. She's absolutely mm -hmm. amazing. I, I do. I think that that's, a, that's synonymous with Sanal is that yes, we hear that paint the picture, paint that medical picture. Thank you, my friend Sanal, for putting that phrase in our vocabulary on a regular basis, because it truly is. It's, it's so important. And whether you're th this particular chapter, whether you're in uh, fee-for-service type of, of professional coding, or you are with risk adjustment coding, or you're in the billing department, um, again, all of these all of this information ties into each other. Yes, because if, if it's not if it's not billed, coded, or you know documented correctly, there leads to a lot of denials, and and you know, and also you could be doing a diagnosis that the patient has or does not have, you know, and then you know the insurances are going to be wondering what's going on. So it it really affects everybody if it's not coded correctly, not received correctly, not documented correctly. So and especially this one right here because any wrong turn and you don't know what's going on as well. And then you can be like, okay, well, this person in this area, there's a lot of cancers, especially if there's something going on, for instance, like, you know, something in the water or lead. So now you have like a whole area where now there's different cancers, but do they really have all those cancers or is it documented incorrectly? So you want to make sure of what's going on with everything. And we all, I mean, we're all playing an important role whenever we're coding, not only this, but with everything. And you know how surprising it is now, and I'm going to go really deep down a dark hole. Um, so now we have the new law in place that patients have access to all of their original documented, documented information in their medical records, right? It's, they can look beyond the summaries. They can look, they can request every part of it. Mm -hmm. And again, depending on how something's coding, I, I can only imagine as a patient, 
how distressing it would be if a wrong code was applied. If I received a malignant neoplasm, but was told that it was benign or it was, um, you know, we're going to send it off for pathology and everything was okay. And then I see that, that C code and with Google, anybody can translate an ICD-10 code. Let's be honest. I mean, my mother does all the time and she will call me on the phone. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and uh, she'll call me on the phone and and, and she'll say, you know, oh my gosh, I, I have this disease. And I'm like, mom, that's not a disease. That diagnosis code just is a status code. It's just saying that, you know, you live, you live alone or whatever it is, you know, she'll yeah. always diagnose herself through her diagnosis codes there. That's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, and to go back to the guidelines, when you look in your regular guidelines, also look in the tabular guidelines. I forgot to say that as well, because with breast cancer, they want to know if it's like estrogen positive or ER positive or ER negative. Same for prostate. And then for lung cancer, they want to know if you're a smoker or non-smoker and such. So definitely look because there's certain cancers that if able to, they would like these, you know, the additional diagnosis to, to say what's going on. Lexi, put that code up by Depeche. Depeche, the wrong code can yes. waste a lot of time and money. Yes. So for my billers out there, it could be a denial that needs to be worked. We need to get documentation, the query process. Um, that was a great thing to post up there that, again, a wrong code is a waste of time. It's a waste of money. It's a waste of resource. We could be doing so many other things than going backwards and trying to uh, land those those errors. Yeah, yeah. I 100% agree, which we're, it's, you know, everything's always changing and, and growing and learning, but that's why it's always best to keep up with it. And even whenever, like for your reviewing the guidelines, like for me, helpful whenever I'm transferring my notes or re-highlighting, underlining from one book to the other, that really helps me out because then you can also look, okay, well, this isn't from last year. And oh look, this actually changed. Like you said, it's in bold, but now it really like picks up with it because I'm like, oh, now I can really see the changes from one book to another. I do that too. And I think I shared with you earlier, I'm a little bit mm-hmm. behind in my transfer of information, <laughs> but I'm working on it. I don't um, know. I see right. book. <laughs> it's, it's also how we, we refresh those breadcrumbs, yes. you know, by looking at the notes that we're transferring over. Well, Natasha, our time together wow. has come to an end. I told you it was going to go by so I'm fast. Glad just like just talking with old friends and then ta- you know and saying hey to everybody else too. It's really great being here. I and yeah, if you look below there, you're going to see on the trailer there that we've got Natasha's information. Connect with Lata- with Natasha on LinkedIn. Yes, right. Um, she has a wonderful wealth of knowledge, I, and I and I always tell you guys that we are only as strong as our network. Mm-hmm. If you have something that pertains to neoplasms, oncology, hematology, she is your go-to. And if I don't know, I will help you research and we'll ask. Like you said, it's a network of worth. Right, we all know right. something, so we'll be able to help out each other out. So uh, we, it's not possible for us to know everything, but together, yes, we know it all, right? So thanks so much, Natasha, for joining us today. Um, I, I, my best wishes out to Zena. Tell her I said I, I was thinking about her earlier today, and, I, and we have to absolutely get together again. Yes. We live too close to each other to not see each other more often. I know, definitely, we'll have to have to get together again. Great, thanks so much, everyone. I want to thank, thank all my guys. friends that joined us today, and we will see you in two weeks. Yes. Bye bye. Thanks for watching. 